were counted as one of his own. That's one of the biggest blessings that we have um, as a child of God this morning. Amen. Exodus chapter number 26 this morning. Exodus chapter 26. And I appreciate the Lord this morning. And uh, thank God for his goodness. And uh, appreciate the opportunity uh, to stand this morning. I know there's a lot of other men that could be standing this morning. But we're thankful for every opportunity that the Lord does give us. Um, to preach his word and uh, one one more announcement that I forgot is that there will be no choir practice today uh, with the baptism service and so we'll just be over there at four and then we'll come back over here uh, at six o'clock for service all right Exodus chapter number 26 and uh, let's look in verse number 31 all right Exodus chapter number 26 and if you would let's stand together as we read the word of God and uh, we'll look here in this chapter. Exodus 26 and verse number 31. The Bible says, And thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen of cunning work with cherubims shall it be made. And thou shalt hang it upon four, four pillars of shittim wood overlaid with gold and their hooks shall be gold upon the four sockets of silver. And thou shalt hang upon the veil... Uh, under the tax which may, thou may bring, is, bring, is, bring in thither within the veil, uh, the ark of the testimony. And the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy. And thou shalt put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. And thou shalt set the table without the veil and the candlestick over against the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south. And thou shalt put the table on the north side and thou shalt make a hanging for the door of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen wrought with needlework. And thou shalt make for the hanging five pillars of shittim wood and overlay them with gold and their hooks shall be of gold and thou shalt cast five sockets of brass for them. You could be seated. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this service. God, we thank you, Lord, for the good songs of Zion that were sung. God, we thank you, Lord, for stirring, Lord, your presence. Lord, we thank you, God, for the good testimonies, Lord, of your people, God, of just your goodness and how you pass by. Lord, how you've made a difference in our life. Lord, we thank you for that. God, we thank you, Lord, that you're with us each and every day. And Lord, I pray, Father, that you would manifest your presence in this service. I pray, Lord, that you would help us. God, that you would draw us closer to yourself. And Lord, I pray that if there's one here lost without you, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would draw them to the foot of the cross and draw them to yourself. And God, may they see themselves for who they are. And that's a sinner alienated and estranged uh, and standing in need of being reconciled unto God. But Lord, I pray that they would see Jesus Christ high and lifted up. Lord, that they would see you. And we know that if they can look and see you by faith and accept what you've provided, Lord, we know that you can make the difference in their life. God, not in just this life, but in the next, in eternity. And we pray that you just bless us, Lord, that you would crown this day with your goodness and your presence. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. As we come to Exodus chapter number 26 uh, this morning, we know that in the book of the Exodus, as well as the other books in the Pentateuch, that uh, God is laying out His plan for the people of God. And contained uh, within that plan was, of course, the blueprint uh, for that mobile building that we know called the tabernacle. If we look 
uh, in the chapter before us, and we'll not look there this morning, but there are uh, details of the, of the two of the three entrances that the tabernacle contained. And we know those three entrances to be number one. First of all, there was the gate. That was the, the first entrance on the exterior uh, of the tabernacle. That the gate was the way in. And it was beyond that entrance one would find the altar of sacrifice. And by going in, that individual was identifying with what was on the inside. We know that God had called the children of Israel to be a separated people from the rest of the world. And God uh, there called Abraham and said that he would make a great nation out of him. And from Abraham's loins and Abraham's seed, the children of Israel and the Hebrew people were born out of Abraham. And God took his people and separated them uh, from everybody else. They couldn't do the same things everybody else did. Did and they couldn't live the same way everybody else lived and God gave them a law and God gave them a tabernacle because there was a way that He wanted them to live and there was a word that He wanted them to abide by and when those people were able to go into that tabernacle and go into that court and go there into that holy place by way of the priest and then finally to the most holy place they were identifying with who God was they were the only people that had a tabernacle they were the only people that were able to go in and the presence of God would abide with them. And so first of all, we see the gate and then secondly, we find the door. The door led from that uh, outer court and it led into the holy place and what that represents for us this morning is it represents fellowship behind the door we find the altar of incense we find the table of showbread and we find the golden candlestick that's where one would go beyond the door they would go through that door and then they would find themselves on that outer court where that sacrifice was and then they would make their way through the door and what, what was happening is, is they were getting a little bit closer and fellowship was able to be had. There was bread uh, there was light, there was uh, incense going up that represents prayers uh, uh, unto God and it speaks to our fellowship but then finally there was a third door and that third door was called the veil. The veil was the door or the curtain if you will that led to the Holy of Holies. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was. That's where uh, you find Aaron's rod that budded. You found uh, the, table, the, the tables of the law. You found uh, the, the manna within the pot and on top of all of that uh, was the mercy seat that was the holy place that was the most holy place that is where God himself dwelled and if we look at this text and we look at these pictures contained here in the word of God there is great help to be had and that's really the fault that I want to give you this morning is on help from the holy place help from the holy place. Whenever we consider uh, this holy place, that is where uh, that high priest desired to go in uh, on the day of atonement, one day out of the year. He would take the blood and take all of the representation of the sins of the people of God. And that blood was sprinkled there upon the mercy seat. The sacrifice had already been accomplished. Uh, all of the ordinances and all of the different things that had to take place had already been done. And that priest would go in representing the people of God and representing their sin even making a sin offering up for himself this morning and he would go in and that is where the blood was applied that is where the sacrifice was accepted and it was in that 
that most holy place this morning where the people of God could find rest, they could find hope, they could find satisfaction, and they could find contentment. Even though it be only temporary, it was still to be found in that holy place this morning. Whenever we consider this holy place, number one, I want you to consider its position. Think about its position this morning. We're talking about a veil this morning. And that word veil simply means this. It means to separate. That veil represented several things. But one thing that we have to keep in mind and first and foremost is that the veil represented man being separated from the presence of God because of sin. That gate represented that not everybody could go in. There were people groups that were not allowed to go in. But you went beyond the gate and you had the door. And there were some people that were able to go through the gate. But they couldn't go through the door. And those others that went through the door, finally there was one one man alone that was able to go in beyond that veil there into the presence of God and offer that blood and what we have is these pictures contained in this door and gate and veil is that it was designed to keep keep people out and it was designed to keep people away from the presence of God and we know and understand this this morning that man is separated from the presence of God because of sin whenever Adam condescended and he chose to sin like his wife Eve did he was cast out of a garden and from that moment on there was an alienation there was a separation between God and man Paul puts it this way he said that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God he said in the book of Romans concerning our sin he said thou art inexcusable oh man sin has separated man from the presence of God and he cannot get in and there is no way into the presence presence of God and it seems to be a hopeless case man was cut off from God but not entirely I'm glad that there was a way that that sin could be paid for. Man has had to pay an awful price for his sin. You have to wake up every morning and you have to go down to the job and you have to punch a clock because of sin. When women give birth to children, they experience pain because of sin. There's heartache and there's depression and there's shame that's felt and there's condemnation that's felt in this world and it's all because of sin. You look around at this world and we see the shape that it's in and we ask the question why and there's just one answer this morning it is because of sin and we have to realize this morning our position if you're here and you've never been saved and you're lost uh, you've got to realize that there's nothing that you can do uh, to get into the presence of God though you may be religious uh, though you may go through the ordinances uh, though you may try to do better and turn over a new leaf there is no way into the presence of God this morning And it seems like such a hopeless case this morning. And what you've got to do is you've got to understand this morning. You've got to realize that you have a problem. You've got to realize that there is an issue. We were sitting at the breakfast table this morning. And my kids were talking about something that they had lost and they lose stuff all the time. Amen. And uh, we were having a conversation about that. We were discussing that. And uh, Rayleigh got the bright idea that somebody had come into our house and stolen something of her. And I said, Rayleigh, it's probably buried in there in that room somewhere. And she just kind of sighed and she said, you know, my room's a wreck. 
She's just, she's just five years old. She knows that. She understands that. And I just looked at her mom and I said, well, at least she knows this morning. Amen. And what I'm trying to say this morning is you've got to realize that you've got a problem. You've got to realize that there is an issue. You've got to realize that you are a sinner and you cannot have access to God in any way concerning your own merit this morning. And you have been cast out of the presence of God because of Adam's sin. And Adam's blood is coarse through your veins and Adam's condemnation has befallen your life and the wrath of God abides upon you this morning if you've never been saved you say preacher how can I get help you're talking about help from the holy place how can I get help this morning when you're telling me that listen you can get help if you'll realize who you are and what you are and where you stand before an almighty God this morning we're living in a generation and we're living in a day where you can't hardly convince Baptists much less people outside the church that they've done anything wrong you confront somebody about their sin or you confront somebody about their wrongdoing and and they, they They think that you've slapped them in the face or you may well have committed murder. You can't convince them that they've done anything wrong. Hey, but listen, friend, nobody's excusable. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. And if we say we have no sin, then we make God a liar. That's what John said this morning. And if we'll just come clean before God, hey, we can get help this morning. Amen. We notice it's position. It's a position of separation but then I want you to see it's pictures it's pictures represent salvation this morning amen when we look here in the word of God look with me in verse number 31 the Bible says God told Moses and thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen of cunning work with cherubims shall it be made he mentions the colors blue purple and scarlet. When we think about blue, blue is the color of the sky. It represents the heavenlies this morning. That points us to the deity of Christ and great emphasis must be made concerning this point because Christ and the Father are, are one this morning. Amen. And our, G, our Jesus, our Savior this morning, though He was 100% man, thank God He was 100% God and He was God and He is God this morning. And though, no matter what the modernist says or what the liberalist says uh, concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if Jesus Christ is not and was not God, then He is a Savior who cannot save this morning. Amen. Purple, the color purple is mentioned. It comes from a mixture of blue and red and that reminds us of the mixing of deity and humanity in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He mentions the color scarlet. That is the color of earth, the color of death, and the color of man. Amen. And we're reminded this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ, He left the portals of glory and He became a man and He came to this earth as a man to die for men. And in that fact, I redeem has been accomplished. Amen. The God who left His throne to become a man, to live as men live. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And He overcame sin. And He overcame death. And He overcame the grave. And we're reminded of that great truth this morning. Amen. We're reminded of these pillars. 
this morning. He talks about the pillars. There were four of them. They represent the four gospel witnesses to the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got four men who wrote concerning the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that is to say that these pillars this morning represent believers. Verse number 32 gives us assurance of that picture. Look in verse number 32. The Bible said, And thou shalt hang it upon four pillars of shittim wood overlaid with gold, and their hooks shall be gold upon the four sockets of silver. There again, he mentions those wood pillars. It reminds us of humanity standing upon sockets of silver. That is redemption covered in gold. That is deity. You and I are human at best. Amen. But thank God Jesus Christ offers redemption. And when that redemption is received, thank God He covers us in His deity. Amen. Thank God we're just like Him. We're joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when God looks at his son he sees us and when he sees us he sees his son amen and thank God we've got assurance this morning and we've got access to the father through the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ amen we're reminded of these cherubims that were there placed upon that veil they represent God's judgment upon sin and man's right to enter the presence of God being forfeited Because of that sin. I not only can think about uh, the pictures this morning, but then here's really where I want to labor and preach this morning. I, I think about the prophecy of the veil. What does this veil really represent? What are the true pictures that we see whenever we consider this veil this morning? Hebrews chapter number 10, verses 19 and 20 tell us this, "...having therefore, brethren, boldness." to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say... His flesh. Whenever you think about that old that Old Testament, that high priest, when Aaron would take that blood and all of the sacrifices were done and everything was accomplished, he would take that blood and he would walk into that holy place and then he would go beyond that and he would go into that most holy place, that place where the presence of God dwelt, that place beyond the cherubim, that place safe from the judgment, that place of acceptance in the holy of holies this morning. And listen, he had to be clean and he had to be right. But what we need to understand this morning is that Aaron wasn't going in on his own merit this morning. Amen. Aaron was a sinful man just like you and I. And he wasn't going in upon his own merit. You say, preacher, how did he get in? He got in through the blood this morning. Amen. And he went beyond that veil. And thank God Aaron could go boldly. Boy, you look at the tabernacle and you have the doors and you have all of the mystery and all of the representation presentation and it's not something that you just rush up into and run into it's a place of mystery it's a place of reverence but thank God that priest was able to go in that one day out of a year and he didn't have to shudder and he didn't have to wonder thank God he had that blood and he could go in boldly this morning 
And I'm glad, thank God, that as a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, we ought to live in the fear of God. Yeah, we ought to preach the judgment of God to a lost and dying world. But when we go into the presence of God, thank God we go in as one of His own with no condemnation under the veil, under the namesake of Christ. And we can go into the presence of God unhindered because of what Christ has done. Hebrews speaks about that veil representing His flesh this morning. I'll read it again. He said, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say His flesh. Why would we consider His flesh this morning? Why would He emphasize His flesh this morning? Because of man's sin. Man's flesh, man's sin, man's nature made it impossible for man to look upon God and for for man to live. That veil was provided for the presence of God for His people with whom He dwelled. That veil kept the presence of God from those people. You remember when Moses was there and Moses was in the presence of God And Moses came down and Moses had to wear a veil. Why? Because he got just a little glimpse of the glory of God for the people could not look upon him this morning. The veil proclaimed the fact that God was there, but at the same time it hid him. The flesh of Christ veiled his deity, but while at the same time revealing that God had manifested himself among men this morning. Amen. There was only one way into God's presence and that was through the veil. God provided sinful men a way to himself and through that was through the veil of Christ's flesh. Just like that veil was there and that great high, that high priest had to go in beyond the veil with the blood. Thank God our great high priest the Lord Jesus Christ he died on Calvary. He took our sins upon himself and thank God the Bible says that he through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. You say preacher what does that mean? That simply means this that as Jesus died on the cross and they took his body and they put it in the tomb. Thank God his soul went to paradise and he preached to those spirits that were in prison but while all that was happening thank God the spirit of our Lord he ushered into the presence of God and he took the blood being our great high priest and thank God at that moment of that altar that cried out sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Jesus walked in with boldness and he presented himself and he presented his blood to the Father and that altar cried out satisfied, satisfied, satisfied. Thank God he offered himself once for all never again having to die. Brother the Catholics have it wrong. He came down off of that cross and even better than that he walked out of the tomb and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father and I thank God is coming again. Hallelujah. What he did, he only had to do it one time. Hallelujah. Thank God on the cross of Calvary while Jesus bore our sins. He cried with a loud voice. He said, it is finished. And the rocks began to break. And the earth began to shake. And thank God there was something going on inside the temple. There was a rumbling in the earth. And that veil that kept man out. That veil that kept God in. That veil that kept the two separated. Thank God it was rent in twain from top to bottom giving man access to God forevermore. Hallelujah. 
He said, it is finished. I like what the old preacher said. He didn't say, I'm finished. But he said, it is finished. If you study the moments leading up to Calvary, you'll find that the veil of Christ's flesh was rent in twain from top to bottom, just like that veil was. He said, preacher, what do you mean? I'm talking about when they planted that crown of thorns on his head. They started at the top. They began to beat his back. Finally, they put him on that cross and they nailed each hand to that cross and they nailed his feet and they lifted him up and suspended him between heaven and earth. And finally, that Roman soldier took that spear just to ensure that he had died. He took that spear and he, he, he thrust it into the side of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that the blood and the water came out and the veil of his flesh was rent. Divided into. What does that say for you and I this morning as believers? Well, number one, of course, it gives us access. You can have an audience with God this morning. Almighty God that created this world, that spoke this world into existence. The God who sits upon His throne. The God who holds everything within the palm of His hands. Uh, that meted out the waters and, and uh, did all of those different things that the Word of God uh, talks about concerning creation. That God is the God that you can speak to. That God is the God that you can fellowship with. That God is the God that you can spend time with when nobody else wants to listen when nobody else is there when there's not a friend to be found thank God our God is an ever present help in time of trouble we can come and have access to him through the Lord Jesus Christ this morning amen boy they began to beat our Savior they began to punch him they cooked him to Gabbatha scourged his back nailed his hands and feet to that cross that veil was rent piercing his side with a spear, opening up a new and living way to everybody who would believe, giving sinful man access to the God that created him. And sinner friend, I've got a question for you this morning. A lot of people, boy, they identify with God. They'll talk about God in a religious way. And they say, well, you know, we're all God's children. And that's not true this morning. Jesus told those Pharisees, he said, you're of your father the devil. They weren't God's children this morning, amen. And everybody who darkens the door of a church is not God's child. You say, what does it take to be God's child? You've got to be identified with him this morning. God has got to become your heavenly father by way of the new birth through the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. You may be his this morning by way of creation. He made you. He formed you and He fashioned you into who you are and what you are. And you have individuality this morning. You've got an identity that nobody else has. And God gave that to you this morning. And you're His this morning by way of creation. But can I ask you a question this morning? Are you His by way of Calvary? Have you made your passage through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you been born again this morning? I'm not asking you if you've been baptized. I'm not asking you if you've taken communion. I'm not asking you if you're a church member this morning. But I'm asking you this morning, have you been born again this morning? Are you saved? By the grace of God. Is it a fearful thing for you to be in the presence of God? Well, you think about a service where God moves and a service where the presence of God gets real. Well, that makes sinners nervous this morning. I'm glad this morning that I don't have to be nervous 
in the presence of God. And we can have confidence to stand before Him and kneel before Him and bow before Him. You say, preacher, why is that? Because I'm not in on my own merit this morning. When I bow my knee and I say, my Heavenly Father, I'm not getting in on Grant Hardeman's merit because I have none this morning. But it's all through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's all through His Son this morning. And you and I can have the same confidence now that we'll have one day when He calls us home and we stand in His presence. And yes, there's things we've done that we shouldn't have. And yes, we fail in this flesh. But positionally this morning, we are righteous and we have been made whole and we'll be able to stand there in the presence of God unashamed. In the light of His grace, and the light of His glory, we'll stand unashamed. Judgment's coming. There's a great tribulation that's coming to this world. And the God that I've preached about this morning is going to judge this world. God will have the final say when it comes to sin. Boy, the world laughs and the world mocks. And you tell people you're a Christian, they'll, they'll make fun of you. They'll tell you they don't care. But they ought to be concerned this morning. If you're here and you're, you've never been saved, would you come? Would you trust Christ this morning? Would you be born again? Would you make your way into that holy place? Not on your own merit. Not on who you are or what you've done, but on, G on who Jesus Christ is, on what He's done, on His merit this morning. Would you come through the blood this morning? If you're going to come, that's how you'll have to come this morning. Let's stand together.